Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Jacob Thornton. Jacob, welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. All right. So uh, for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So my name is Jacob. I have been writing JavaScript and code on the internet for a, feels like an eternity, um, but it's probably closer to like 10 to 15 years. Done things, I worked at Twitter for quite a while and Medium, I work at Coinbase today, started companies, uh, was a designer briefly, open sourced lots of things. Yeah, kind of done all that stuff. For those, those of you who may not have put the name together, uh, Jacob's uh, handle on GitHub is fat, and quite quite a lot of uh, I think GitHub stars have have come your way over the years. I imagine Bootstrap is still kind of the, the largest that you've contributed to, or you know, created just because that one has such a that's a big one. It's a big yeah, one for sure. <laughs> own, own gravitational pull. So definitely been a part of some pretty big projects. Really excited to have you have you on the show so bootstrap definitely been i'm just going to start there because I, I already said it but bootstrap been around for a long time i i think kind of just by you know you already mentioned that you've been doing this for a while how how have your views on contributing or creating a project like that changed over time oh man juicy question <laughs> <laughs> Um, my relationship with open source is so bizarre, probably. Um, uh, I feel like both forever indebted to it and also like very suspect of it. I think open source has changed so much just in my like little blip on the timeline of open source. Uh, if you go all the way back to like free software and that whole movement all the way up through like you know, GitHub and what you might think of today with like the React folks and things. But I, my particular version of it when I was really, really in the community was, yeah, it, <laughs> extremely special. I, I feel like uh, when I was really into it, it felt really, really independent. So kind of like if you think of like indie music or mm, that sort of mm -hmm, thing, mm -hmm. it reminded me a lot more of that. Whereas today... Uh, I often actually, most of the open source that I use or probably most of the open source a lot of people use um, in general is actually all backed by pretty large companies and initiatives or, you know, funded collectives or whatever else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Big business, that, that open source <laughs> software. <laughs> yeah. Oh, say that again. I said big business, the, that open source free software. A lot of money in free software. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that I gave this talk a really long time ago, and in it, I would like I was talking about this thing called cute puppy syndrome, which I later <laughs> randomly someone was like, "Oh, someone else at the same time came up with the same description for the same thing, also called Ooh, it cute it puppy syndrome." Air. Yeah, and I was like, "What? That's actually impossible." But <laughs> Um, yeah, just the, I think when you're just, you know, you're young and you're 
excited about a certain type of technology, or maybe you're old and excited about a certain technology. I still get excited about things all the time. And you're just kind of hacking away on something. It's easy to not think of the kind of uh, implications that open sourcing might have on your <laughs> livelihood, for lack of a better mm. better word. Um, and uh, putting something out there and building a community and the amount of time and investment and energy and everything that goes into doing that. And then also it not really having an end in sight for a lot of folks is something you don't necessarily think of when you're just kind of like putting something out there for the first time. But which is why I think so much of open source now is very lucrative or it is like sponsored by bigger companies or initiatives and there's branding because you need to support these people that are putting so much time and energy into it instead of just nights and weekends. Yeah. So going back to, to bootstrap, I mean, in the beginning, I think it was, it always branded Twitter bootstrap, but I also feel like it wasn't like you kind of, from what I remember, um, again, you know, been a while, it seemed to be something that you created kind of on your own, just cause you thought it was going to be useful. And, it did feel sort of indie, even though it to the outside world seemed like a Twitter project. Yeah. So Bootstrap was basically uh, one of my favorite people in the whole world, Mark Otto, um, who's an awesome designer. And I think he was designing for the ads team at the time or something like that. He was, he was working on a style guide uh, for a project at Twitter and I was on the internal tools team of all teams and I s happened across it and we were hiring a lot of people on our team and we kind of, the people that we were hiring, their design skills weren't necessarily all like as high, like as good as we wanted them to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the time, Twitter was pretty just infatuated with their own brand and things feeling Twittery and everything mm -hmm. else. There's a lot mm -hmm. of excitement there. This is obviously many, many years ago, but yeah. And so like at the time I just wanted to create a toolkit internally to make it so that, uh, my peers on my team could create these tools in like a beautiful way. This kind of happened to coincide with, uh, what we had, what we called like a hackathon at Twitter. And we had kind of built this project together and I started codifying some of the things that Mark had been creating a style guide for, and we just sort of came together, published this uh, toolkit, which we actually called Blueprint at the time um, internally, and then just started using it a lot internally. And it really got a lot of momentum during hack like the hackathon. Yeah, and then it kind of just sat around and we used it for a lot of internal projects. And we almost didn't open source it actually, because at the time, there's jQuery, obviously, and there's things like MooTools, um, but there wasn't a ton of open source client energy beyond those major libraries, mm -hmm. Dojo, other things like that. And at Twitter, the legal team was like, no, not worth it. Like, and they wanted us to, the reason it's actually called Bootstrap is we had to find a name that wasn't like copywritten or whatever yeah. else. Lawyers. And so it just took us like, yeah, lawyers, just being lawyers, <laughs> took us ages <laughs> it's still like i mean it's definitely grown on me that name but it was never really my most favorite name ever um it was kind of just 
at some point we were just like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> any name, call it a thing. Like, yeah. Blueprint, I, I could definitely see being because of, of Twitter, Twitter blue. But I, I, you know, I'm bringing this up. Not I, this is, you know, I don't I'm sure you've you've talked enough about bootstrap over the years. I don't really want to uh, uh, <laughs> make this about that. But I find it really interesting just because it seemed like it was a scratch your own itch slash help your team kind of pull. What I mean, because I also remember some other libraries that you had at the time. I think one that I used in some of my own stuff for a while, like my own kind of, I don't know what you call it, like whatever my equivalent of like create React app uh, back then was, had a bean in it, which was your your like events library that you, that was one of the ones where you looked at jQuery and you just saw that like oh it doesn't need to be this whole thing micro js movement i think was kind of around the same time yeah yeah i was a i was a big fan of that uh at the time probably still am but you know so so i remember you were doing all of these others like do you can you remember like what yeah like was it the indie spirit like what what was motivating you to spend your time working on these these types of things definitely so and to be clear, like Bootstrap was solving a work problem, but we solved mm. it outside of work hours for sure. It We had very real projects that we were working on day to day. I think if we had gone to Twitter and been like, oh yeah, we want to create this new thing. We were calling it like a toolkit and we're going to like make it really easy. <laughs> like there wasn't even really like design systems and like ever. it's weird now because yeah, uh, I'm like a lead on this infrastructure team that has a whole... Uh, design system team and I'm like that just didn't exist that was like my dream job probably 10 years ago that just didn't exist at least at any of the companies I was like at and so definitely for me there's there's so many different reasons and so many different things that were motivating me to work on this stuff outside of work I think that um for one of one of the things was I I think JavaScript was like for me it was a really really exciting time like I don't have a traditional computer science background. I studied literature in school. And when I moved into the industry, I felt like I had a ton to learn, obviously, not writing code really, except for some basic HTML and CSS. And learning to design and then getting a job at a startup as a designer and then being frustrated no one could build my designs and then Mm. learning CSS and JavaScript and really leaning on open source libraries, really like jQuery and Mutools a ton at the time to learn how to build and make things move and like do things that I wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I just got so much from that. And then I just kind of became like, like enamored with the culture. I think there was these like, just the whole idea to me was like, I mean, it still is like when I think of a lot of the old engineers that were pushing out some of this stuff, um, mm-hmm. like John Rezig or, you know, Guillermo Rausch or whatever, like <laughs> that are still doing awesome stuff. I think like back then in particular, uh, yeah, I just thought they were awesome, right? I was, I was like many little celebrities. And I just thought what they were doing and the way they were writing 
JavaScript, especially at the time, it was like pretty punk rock almost. <laughs> Just makes me think of Rick Waldron uh, thinking. Of yes, those names exactly. Yeah, Rick. Really, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I just feel like that whole there was just so many weird characters, like Alex Sexton, and just all the this weird energy in the JavaScript community that I was so interested in. And I was like, wow, there's all these people that are kind of like misfits because a lot of traditional at the time a lot of traditional computer scientists weren't gravitating towards javascript right like there was right. a lot of folks yeah. that were like you know they're going to back end or they're doing like system stuff and so a lot of us folks that are like front-end engineers are identified as that especially in the like early 2000s uh they were like oh yeah i studied anthropology or i dropped out of high school and i'm just like a boy genius or you know, I studied <laughs> literature whatever it happens to be yeah um and as a result they were kind of like breaking all the rules in computer science so they were mm -hmm. like you know putting semicolons at the end of their lines of code <laughs> and thinking it was like some you know real rebellious act or whatever else and i just thought that was so <laughs> awesome right like i yeah and i was like oh that's really cool there's this industry and there's this like fun movement that seems to be happening and there's like these are the guys that are like these are the folks that are just yeah. you know the avant-garde weirdos and i was like i want to mm -hmm. be at the top with them and so i had a lot of energy to like try to figure out and create and be a part of that like conversation and community that was forming there yeah i definitely remember the same feelings for for sure and definitely you know you you there was a lot of personality there. Like you say, there was a lot of questioning, you know, norms or old guard type sentiments for you coming from sounds like a literature background. Did you see overlap between certain, I don't know if you call them movements, but, uh, you know, in different cities, there'd be these different writers that would hang out. Obviously we were, you know, I think much more spread out throughout the world, but like, did it feel like that to you being part of, I mean, like, probably more so than it should have. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, I think, like, you know, I mean, I was 23 when I moved to San Francisco. You know, I was probably, like, 25 when I started going to conferences. I went to my first, like, JS comp or something like that around then. And, like, yeah, I just had just graduated college where I had, like, read and written a bunch about, like, Dada and the Situationalists <laughs> and, like, all these different cool art, like, movements and writing movements, mm -hmm. futurists, et cetera. And I was like, oh, this is, this is it. I was like, art is dead. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> this is the closest thing to that. Like, there's all these super fascinating people that are like taking computers and machines and doing these like provocative weird things with them and like, you know, sneaking in little bits of weirdness into mm -hmm. everyday life. And I thought that was just the coolest shit in the whole entire world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was right there with you. Like it, thinking about how wrapped up I would get in certain it's weird to call it philosophy, but like within software, you know, certain ideologies or philosophies, like, you know, certain people had a huge impact on me, like Substack, who was really all about modularity and kind of goes into a little bit about, you know, what you were doing. I think you, 
you did you write a package manager? I can't I, remember. I did. Yeah. I tried wow. To really okay. Early so you, on, yeah. You, yeah. You went went all in. Um. Yeah. So you know, like, I, and it's amazing, like, feeling so strongly about these things that I think as I've gotten older it's tough. I think I'm still of split mind. Like I think of one hand and like on one hand, I'm like that stuff didn't matter at all. Like that, like you were just really getting all worked up over things that did not matter to users or yourself or any of that. And then on the other hand, like, I don't know. I still think it kind of (laughs) matters. It's, it's hard to say like, uh, there. So let I watch a lot of interviews for some reason. That's just like my weird thing I like to do. I just like love watching interviews of people saying dumb shit. And there's this uh, interview Kanye West did ages ago where he's talking about like hip hop. And he's like, oh, yeah, like I need to move into fashion or whatever because hip hop's like a young man's game or a young person's game or whatever. And I remember like, like reflecting on that and being like, oh, yeah, that like makes sense. And then kind of having that same feeling about myself where I was like, oh, you know what, like software, but not really software. Really for me, I'm like open source, at least how it was, was like a young person's game. Like this amount of time and energy that I had to work on that like, stuff that I worked on, like the hour, the raw hours that I put into some of those open source things. And like, granted, some of them stuck in like, like Bootstrap, obviously massive hit and lots of stuff went into yeah. that. But for every project like that, I wrote a hundred thousand other things or I had, you know, a hundred dumb conversations with friends where we paired on something over like a beer and like <laughs> nothing really came of it. Uh, and now it's like, it's, I, I totally empathize with what you're saying. It's like, oh, like, does that really matter? Like, is that like infecting business or whatever? But it really wasn't about that is just like it was social and it was also just like yeah i guess just like wanting to be a part of it like mm-hmm. yeah or like needing to be a part of it is how i felt when i was younger yeah definitely like and, and there were certain parts of it that, that were i think it's sort of a charge word you know it was like a scene and there were like cool kids and and all of that which isn't isn't always all positive but um yeah, there was there was definitely an energy to it for sure. Is is that like would you say that that is still still going on? That's still useful. Like, you know, we we you were mentioning young person's game. Like is that still something that is useful to go after early in your career or has things are things different now? So hard to say. It's kind of like I feel like the like uh, if you turn on, if you watch sports and you like turn on TNT and you see like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal talking about like some young basketball player and being like, oh, like I would have got like 300 rebounds or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's I, I honestly am like so unplugged from open source these days. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to say. But from my perspective now, it seems like much of the weight of open source is very largely controlled by entities like Facebook or Google Mm. or even Twitter to some extent, which is to me kind of sad, to be honest. Uh, I like totally understand it and it makes a lot of sense, but I think that there's real consequences of that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's, it's like for a while, 
you know, sticking to the JavaScript world, there was all of this turnover with frameworks, right? You know, kind of like the joke was, okay, yeah, this is popular today, but it's going to be like another one in, you know, the next week. And then now it's like, God, how long has React been dominant? And, you know, maybe something else will take over or whatever. Um, but it's like, wow, that is, things seem to have really, like the dust seems to have cleared. That There's not a lot of room for, for, for new entrants um, in the same, in the same way. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's in some ways it's like Facebook is doing incredible things. Like, I mean, react is changed like, you know, two or three times over, like the way you write react now is so radically different than the way you wrote it. Like, you know, <laughs> so I, I know I'm just laughing because I wrote, you know, one of the early books on, on react full stacked react. And now like, as I'm hiring react developers, I, it's, it's sort of like, I don't, it's like, what are the kids doing these days? Like, how do you, how am I, how am I supposed to? Yeah. It's this? like, okay. Like context API. All right. For <laughs> sure. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, it is super interesting, right? Like backbone JS was written by one person in New York, mm -hmm. just like while they were working at the New York times and it powered a radical amount of websites most likely and also inspired just an absolutely overwhelming amount of like new ideas and things right <laughs> yes totally so I, I for better or worse i think that there was like a brief moment of like this extreme simplicity in front-end code where people were still doing pretty like uh ambitious stuff but it felt like someone like Jeremy could just write a new data binding library and like, okay, cool. Whereas now it's like, oh, I like Ember is such a massive thing or <laughs> Angular is such a massive thing or React is such a massive thing. It's like on a weekend, you're not going to be like, you know what? I think I can do like, you know, data binding better than React. <laughs> I could just yeah. probably not an idea. Maybe it is, but like definitely not for me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's really interesting because like at that point, so you know when I when so when I reached out to you, right, my email uh, was the the subject was burn the museums, which was a callback to pretty much what I think of when your name came up. Someone someone part of the JSLA community uh, suggested I I have you on the show, and that's what popped up into my mind. And it's it's interesting that you bring this up because one of the key points in your talk was that you were able to create new libraries like you just mentioned like oh can i do data binding better than react was was based on well are the tests public you know like, like if they are then i can just target that and see if i can do a better job um and yeah it's like even with the tests now like are these things that you can even think of doing as a single person yeah i mean on one hand, it feels overwhelming. And then on the other hand, I feel like there's probably people listening to this, hopefully, that are like, yes. <laughs> like, the answer is yes, and I've done it. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I just, I think that, uh, and this is, could just be like, you know, senioritis or something in the career mm. of my career. But I, I think that there's a, there, you cross a certain point or like at least 
let me think let me think about this before i spit it out make sure i don't say something ridiculous um it seems to me like there's probably some point or, or there has been for me at least where i i'm trying to think if it's like i went away from thinking i can do those things better but i think realistically i just became so jaded with open source that I stopped focusing on problems for the community, which is like actually just really sad. Um, Occasionally I still get a burst of energy, but I, then I get like really scared to open source it. So for example, Mm -hmm. like, like I've written several, like I've rewritten bootstrap in react. I've like rewritten, I've like done a bunch of things, gotten them completely working, gorgeous, beautiful doc sites fully typed everything that you would expect. And then I'll just like, let it sit in GitHub and be like, I'm not open sourcing that shit. Like, (laughs) where's the, uh, where's the, the fear come from? The fear comes from, it's just so much work. It's so much work. It's like, um, you've done a lot of work and now you're just like signing up for like 10x more like once and it's just like not the fun it's not the work that i i really enjoy like uh and other people have talked about this a lot and done a really good job some people are amazing at maintaining things like they are just absolutely incredible and i think some people are really prolific at creating things but they don't get a lot of energy from like maintenance and that's me i i just like for whatever, even at my job now, like it's not my favorite thing in the world to maintain things. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather like burn it to the ground. And start <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, so I, it, it's interesting, right? Like, like I'm, I'm really fascinated by, uh, y- you know, your perspective on that, and especially how it, how it changes over time. And then I also just, I'm trying to think of like people who are more, you know, earlier in their career thinking about things that can set themselves uh, themselves apart. Um, you know, it still seems like community being part of these, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like scenes or at least meetup groups or uh, hopefully we get conferences back. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of like Discord communities now that, that, that pop up all over the place. Um, I still think those things are really valuable. I still think creating things and putting them out, um, you know, is really, really valuable. Like where, where you get to, you get to have your own feedback loop. Like you kind of get to be the user and the creator and fix your own bugs and put it out there, see what other users think and, they open issues and give it, you know, you feedback and then you fix that. I think that's all really valuable for people who are starting, starting out. It's very difficult to get that, you know, open source, open source is a good way to get that. You don't need anybody's permission to do these things. Your perspective is, is fascinating because I think you have kind of done it long enough and at a scale that you experience the, the, you know, some of the, well, just by, but just by virtue of the scale, you get to experience everything, including the the you know the the parts that that are really draining. Yeah, um, it it's so it's such an open source is such an interesting topic to me. Like open source 
sometimes I'm like, I, I'm like, oh, wow. If I had been like doing what I was doing 10 years ago today, I would have like half a million followers on Twitter and I would have like, you know, I wouldn't be working a full-time job. I would just be getting like buku money from Patreon or whatever. <laughs> oh, interesting. That, that, that path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll think that. And then at the same time, I'll think like, but also not being paid by anyone and not making any money. I still felt a tremendous amount of guilt and like, pressure to deliver updates and mm -hmm. uh like just forward momentum on the projects that people depended on yeah you had people depending on you for sure exactly and i feel like adding money to that equation then i then i'm like immediately next i like record and i'm like oh thank you so much <laughs> like, <laughs> i didn't have all those people like pledging stuff and doing all this different stuff I think there's a different level of stress that kind of comes along with that probably. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, what, I, what I'm actually really attracted to now as a, and as it relates to the community is, well, I, I'm enjoying being on this podcast. Thank you. And also <laughs> just like, I want to, I think like writing things down, mm. uh, and showing examples of how to do things, but not creating a library. So sharing open sourcing code, but not in a way in which other people are supposed to consume, but in a so, way. So like not giving people fish, but teaching them to fish. Yeah. Like that. I, I feel like there's a couple of blog posts that I'm working on for the Coinbase uh, website or blog right now. We just rewrote everything in React Native. So which took us like, oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've got a whole pipeline of blog posts we're working on. But I think that right now, I feel like I have a lot of energy to share the things I'm learning and I'm excited about with the community. And I feel like writing them down and sharing the code and sharing the like wins and the way we're thinking about this stuff. I'm hopeful that I'll be able to you know, engage with the community without having to necessarily give them a library. Because if I think of Bootstrap, like Bootstrap is a library, definitely. But a lot of the ways that I think Boots reasons to me that Bootstrap is so special is that it taught so many people how to code, like more than even just being like, oh, like, great, a style guide that like helps me yeah. do whatever. It's just like, oh, this is how you're supposed to use, like do accessibility. Like, oh, this mm -hmm. is how you're supposed to like include CSS at the top of your page or whatever. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so you'd kind of mentioned it before that you came into development through design, which is sort of how I see myself um, having approached it. And yeah, the 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 idea that you you like teach somebody something by them using it, I do think is pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, like everyone learns in different ways, right? Some people learn by reading. Some people learn by getting shown something. A lot of people learn by doing something and struggling through it. I know that's definitely the easiest way that, for me to burn something in my brain. And so figuring out ways to write about hard problems while also sharing the code in a way that 
is usable but not setting you up to maintain a library this is a delicate ba balance but uh, <laughs> if you can pull it off i feel like that's my sweet spot something in there yeah yeah um so what yeah so so what is it about writing as opposed to i don't know doing the like teaching a course and that whole that whole rabbit hole yeah i've thought about doing courses i you know i think maybe at some point i i've like tried to sit down and write courses you know it's like mm -hmm. has been a thing to do for folks and i think it could be quite fun but it's also an enormous about oh, amount of work i mean as someone that's written <laughs> a book i'm sure you're like that yeah the i was just on another uh podcast as a as a guest zeno's um and he was asking me about that and uh there's a there's a quote i heard which is that you know most writers actually hate to write but they love to have written and yeah that is I, big I, facts I, yeah <laughs> i feel that yeah <laughs> It was very painful. It was just like a lot of work and getting myself to do it was was very much like relying on discipline and not motivation to get that done. I wrote the foreword to I think like two books now and that's like my sweet spot. I'm like let me <laughs> just hop on there and get the everyone juiced up to read this book and then hop out. That's like really <laughs> the best. I'm good that's for like great, yeah, though. a thousand that's words great. and then just awesome. yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminds me when I ran track, I hated long distance. So the long jump was like my favorite. <laughs> definitely, definitely. There you go. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, that's why I'm sad Twitter's kind of like dying the slow death, or it feels like it is to me. Um, because it felt like, oh, I could just go be like pithy or whatever on Twitter <clears throat> and get a bunch of dopamine. And now I'm like terrified to use Twitter and hide from it. Yeah. What's the just just the idea that the the reactions are so volatile and you know, you know. no i think like the feeling i have often is i'm like i don't know borderline add and I'll, I'll just be like doing something and i'll have a dumb idea or something that will pop into my head and i'll go to this like twitter machine and the way that it's organized, I go to compose something, but I always end up reading like, you know, oh. a handful of tweets before I write something. Yeah. And then halfway through that, I just get so like overwhelmingly depressed by the rest of the world <laughs> that I'm like, how like could I possibly tweet about this like stupid animation bug I spent an hour on when like the world is melting, you know? Yeah, that's that's rough. That's rough. Yeah, you need the the right the right only timeline. Does Twitter still have just like the thing where you can like text message like the the tweets? Yeah, I mean it's a bigger. Yeah, it's one that. of those like weird things where it's like I feel like hearing more people just talk about like mundane shit might be good for the world, but at the same time, it's really hard to like be like out there just saying some useless shit when mm -hmm. everything feels like it's on fire. I feel like I was never really good at Twitter, but I do think that that is one of those, it was one of the things that, that, that I felt, people who are in the community who are like really good at engaging on Twitter, and I think even now, there's a lot of people who are really valuable, um, you know, contributors, uh, you know, in software who use it really well, really engaged with people, and I, I feel like I never was able to do it kind of for possibly a similar reason that you're talking about. It's just like whenever I get on Twitter, I'd see all this other stuff that 
didn't make me feel good. And then I would just hop off. And that's sort of where I'm at now. <laughs> You're like now? Yeah. Hopped on to talk about like React hooks. And now I'm like donating to something and depressed. <laughs> it's really unfortunate because I think there's something there. And I don't, I don't really want to tell junior devs or aspiring devs, um, you know, to stay away from it because I think there's a lot of value there. I think a lot of, especially when you're earlier in your career, getting out there, just having exposure to people, having those conversations, sharing what you're doing, uh, commenting on other people's projects, I think is just really important. Um, it's like kind of establishing that surface area. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a shame. I think I'd recommend for people out there, figure out how to do it well and not, 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 the back. It's really interesting. So the, here's one thing that was like always weird to me. So there was Twitter, which was like a thing for sure. And then back in the day, everyone also was on IRC. I don't know if you're oh, yeah. on yeah. IRC very yeah, much, yeah. but yeah, yeah. there was like a bunch on Freenode. There was a bunch of random private like JavaScript Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned I mentioned Substack. His was Stack VM, which actually I think now Faras has. Um, on discord kind of uh reanimated right yeah yeah and i'm sure there's similar things on discord but i remember like being added to some jquery irc mm. channel at some point and being like oh this is just where like the this like elite tier of javascript nerds is like deciding the next two to three years of like javascript <laughs> the smoky back room of javascript yeah it really felt like that like <laughs> Uh, and I was just like, oh, for sure. All right. Kind of stressed me out. But um, I do think I just say that to say, like, if you are getting into the like, quote unquote game, figuring out where those people are and like just proximity to those people. A lot of those people are on Twitter. A lot of those people are probably on Discord, maybe like Slack channels. I have no idea. But finding out where they're hanging out and where they're engaging, you can just soak up so much knowledge for free it sort of reminds me of that that phrase it's like the the future is here it's just not evenly distributed yet there are definitely these these pockets where people are working on cool things discussion discussing cool things and yeah i agree that was that was really powerful me you know for me back back then as well irc days definitely i know i miss irc really made me feel like a hacker as like someone who was like not technical and is still not that technical but coming from like literature and then like learning how to design kind of just being like an art nerd and then mm -hmm. learning how to code and then being on like irc i was like i am Hacker doing it like i'm <laughs> elite coder now but uh couldn't be further from the truth but felt yeah. maybe feel special so you mentioned like learning you know and that that loop especially you know or just just right now as well are there particular you know you didn't have a you know computer science degree um you came in you know more through design is there some perspective or some way that you approached all of this because it seems like one you enjoyed learning but you were also able to do it quickly like is there something that that people should know while they're struggling you know because the stuff can be really hard is there something that, that people should know like junior developers or aspiring developers should know um, that will help them learn this stuff more quickly or make it less you know less difficult 
Yeah, definitely. Probably. Uh, the thing that immediately popped in my head is just like that. I don't even know what the quote is. It's something like, you know, hard work beats talent when talent's lazy or some shit. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but basically just outwork working everyone always. Uh, to Sounds me, hard. yeah, I, <laughs> there's this really like fancy SAT word called like being autodidactic, mm-hmm. um, where you self-teach and self-learn really well. Mm-hmm. And I've always sort of self-identified as being like, oh, yeah, I'm like a pretty quick learner. Like if you ask me to do something, like pick up a new game. I just played, what is it, Frisbee golf or whatever the other day. (laughs) First hole, very terrible. Last hole, like keeping up with everyone else. Um, Ah, nice. And so that is all well and good. However, I feel like... There are things, so I mentored, for example, uh, one of my friends, James, and watched him basically just not have anything handed to him on a silver platter at all, work work his way up from community college through into SF State, uh, like get student loans, like grind everything out, and then now he's working at Etsy and he's like just really doing it and just completely making no excuses and just working his ass off to like learn stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really, really inspiring to me. I think as a kid, not a kid, but like a young man, I guess, like (laughs) when I moved to San Francisco, I had like absolutely no friends at all. And so I didn't know anyone in the city. I didn't even really know what the tech scene was all about. I just was like excited to have a job as a literature major. And I would just work and then I would go home and I would just try to figure out things over and over and over and over. And I'd just spend all my time doing that obsessively. And <laughs> by no means am I rec- recommending that. I think that <laughs> no, this is the only way to do it. Yeah. Everyone listening, this is you go home and just spend every wait now. Yeah. I get that. I definitely. Get that. There, there's definitely a thousand of better ways to do it for sure. But for me, I just worked my ass off. And, and I think it partially, like right now, I've, I've really gotten into building motorcycles. And mm. I have no business building motorcycles. I'm like a computer nerd with like a, that likes to read books. And now I'm like building my second motorcycle from scratch, basically. Awesome. Uh, and it's just because I obsessively try to figure things out. And I'm like really okay with failing like over and over and over and mm-hmm. just asking for help like maybe that that's another thing cute. i have like whatever that thing is where people feel shy to ask help i like don't have that at all it's like broken in my personality and so i'll just egregiously email and call and do everything i can to get help to figure things out and then just try really 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 see i like that i like the the being okay with failure and not like if something doesn't like if something doesn't work out the way that you wanted to, that's almost like expected and that you're going to just not you're not going to leave that alone. Like the, the idea that you're just going to be like, all right, well, what what can I do? Like keep whacking it with a hammer is not working. So I guess I'll pick up a phone and call this person. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was watching this 
there's this TED talk by this skateboarder that was in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, if you play that as like a little kid mm-hmm. or if you know what that is, um, named Roddy Mullen. And in it, he was talking about the psychology of skateboarding, which like as a little kid, I skated all the time, but it wasn't until I got much older that I realized all the different, like everything that people do, there's just all this trauma that I have basically (laughs) from skateboarding. (laughs) So a lot of people develop like weird OCD things because like learning to Ollie or learning to kickflip, they'll literally just like me, I would go into my garage and just spend like hours every night after school trying to kickflip just hundreds of times obsessing about like my feet position and like if I was moving my foot in the right way and like trying to mimic it exactly and everything else. But also what he talks about is like you fail so much skateboarding. Like you try something 10,000 times to get like one thing right. And then you're like, great. And then you like go to try something else (laughs) after that. Really, I think like that trauma or whatever just kind of baked into my head. And so when I'm coding or really if I'm debugging or something, I'm like, great. All right. I'm going to try this like 10,000 different things. And then like it works. I'm like, great. And then I just kind of like go on to the next thing. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know, the word that comes to mind is faith, but it's, you, you just like know it's going to work out. You just have to put in the the reps. And uh, yeah, I mean, you just reminded me of like however many hours I spent like trying to learn to Ollie, never learn to kickflip, but yeah geez (laughs) yeah yeah it's a weird like a weird little thing but uh and so when i say that and when people ask me those sort of things i'm always like yeah you have to work really hard at it for sure or like work ethic but Mm -hmm. it's also like you have to work past kind of the insecurity of failing to some extent Mm because learning is hard and uh software is hard and in like our profession uh we're asked to learn constantly so we're constantly getting dunked on even by ourselves <laughs> like you like look at your old, old code and you're like oh my god what happened here yeah totally <laughs> yeah i think i think that i think that's it right there and not to yeah certainly not to discourage anyone i think it's more just to say that it is part of the process And that's just, that's normal. That comes with the territory and it's not, it's not you, right? You know, I think some people might just think like, oh man, I just, I'm bad at this, you know, or sort of like they would think like, oh, I'm bad at math. So I can never be a good software developer. Like it's me. And it's just like, no, I think everyone, everyone goes through it. It, that's sort of the sucky part. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. The math thing is the funniest (laughs) to me because I, I'm historically bad at math, like absolutely outrageously bad at math, even to this day. I won't even try to do basic arithmetic. Like I remember even taking the SATs, I just like basically put my pencil down during the <laughs> I was like, nah, it's all good. Like I know why I'm here, not for math. Uh, and yeah, I, thank goodness. There's very rarely that I have to do real math. And when I do lucky enough that like a bunch of my friends are nerds and I just, I'm like, Hey, how do you make this animation physics thing look better? Yeah. You just copy their, uh, (laughs) routine out of there. Yeah. It's like, I've been putting random numbers into this linear curve thing and whatever. (laughs) Oh, love it. Hey, uh, this has been great. Uh, so 
where, where can people find you online? Are you so writing? Is that Coinbase? What, uh, what else? Yeah, where else can people follow you? I have Twitter, a I Twitter account that I very infrequently tweet from. Called, it's like twitter.com slash fat, F-A-T. I have a blog that I haven't updated in like many years. And then I have, so like you can find old me there probably. Um, maybe if I still have the like GoDaddy. I think I'm still, I think I was just charged for it. So it still exists. Oh yeah, buyfat.xxx. I haven't posted in many years. Wow, that's quite a 2013. You got there. 2013, yeah. <laughs> you can find 2013-year-old Jacob at this uh, <laughs> website. Um, but I, I am, I do have some posts on Medium, uh, also at Fat. I'm basically just like, if there's ever a user handle thing, TikTok, you can probably find me on there, just <laughs> doing some dance. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and then I think most recently, I'll be hopefully putting out some content on the Coinbase blog. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today. Definitely. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. Recruiting at tech events can be one of the best ways to find and hire senior software engineers. Unfortunately, it's easy to make simple mistakes and wind up with no leads. Grab my free 12-point recruiting checklist to maximize your sponsorship investment at superstruct.tech slash event dash recruiting dash checklist.